Welcome to CineStudy, an incomparable extravaganza featuring film breakdown, analysis, and overall good times. Now for our 32nd episode, Joker mini-review. Hello everybody, welcome back to CineStudy. It has been a while since I recorded an episode. August 30th was the last episode, and it wasn't much of an episode. It was just a show update, and I ranked some Pixar movies that had not been ranked. I'm your host, Dylan, by the way. See, I'm clearly off my groove a little bit. But the main reason I hadn't really made an episode is purely because I hadn't seen any movies worth making an episode on. Now, of course, I know I'm like there's plenty of movies in my back catalog that I want to do extended analysis on, but I just never, like, I never bit the bullet and sat down and started working on one because they are quite the undertaking sometimes to do these extended analysis episodes. And I want to be able to do these movies justice. So I like to, I, I recently at least, I, I want to prepare more for my extended analysis episodes, uh, which inevitably made them longer with La La Land and uh, The Princess Bride versus like the early ones where it's just kind of me, you know, uh, going over random thoughts and hopefully sticking to some structure. Now I really want to lay out my thoughts on everything in a pretty like categorical sense but uh so those episodes have gotten longer and therefore more of an undertaking so i hadn't been able to do one of those and then i just had nothing i wanted to mini review because i was just kind of on a cold streak with movies not a bad streak but just a streak of like plain old eights like lots and lots of eights with some exceptions and i got another one i want to mini review soon but i figured i should do joker first while it's fresh and while there's you know so much conversation about it all right so with that being said let's just jump right in although i do want to talk about something and that is as you all know, I was very much anticipating this Joker movie. You know I was very much pumped for this movie. I did my episode 9 thoughts on Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker uh, just because I was so excited on the prospect of Joaquin Phoenix playing the Joker even though there was very little to go off of. There was like one screen test at that point and some leaked set photos and stuff like that and some rumors about who was going to be in this movie. All I knew is that Joaquin Phoenix was going to be in it. I don't even know if I knew Todd Phillips was directing it at that point. But I was just pumped for that because, as I said in that episode and had continued to say, if you've seen The Master with Joaquin Phoenix, you know this man can play insane pretty well. And uh, I think this movie was kind of case in point. Let's get into it at this point. Joker was pretty awesome. It pretty much lived up to my expectations as to what it would be, like a gritty movie, uh, more of a character study than a Joker movie, a movie where Joaquin Phoenix just, like, goes for it. Like, it's really just a, a movie where Joaquin Phoenix has not necessarily free reign, but, like, Every scene is just up for him to just own. And, I mean, that is exactly what happens in this movie. Joaquin Phoenix, there's, like, barely any frames where this man is not on screen. And every frame he is on screen, you just want to see more and more from him. Whether it be all the little tiny decisions he makes, like, as an actor. Like, in, you know, obviously his various expressions and the choices he makes as an actor. And then just as a character, the little things that are building along the way in this Joker origin story. Uh, of course, I forgot to mention at the beginning of this episode, again, off my groove... In typical Cine study fashion, this episode will be separated into spoiler-free and spoiler-full sections. Uh, so you can enjoy this episode and my thoughts on it, both before and after seeing the movie. Uh, and I'm going to very much do my best to... Uh, I'm going to be very vague in this spoiler-free section, let's just say, because there is a lot you can get into. Uh, I, honestly, like approaching endgame levels of like almost every minute has some weird little spoiler in it that I don't want to give away because there's a lot of detail and attention put into this movie, which I'll again you know, kind of address later. Um, but that being said, let me kind of reorient. I don't even remember where I was. Gosh, this is not, not starting out too well. Um, Joaquin Phoenix. That's right. So Joaquin Phoenix was awesome. And I, you know, originally in my thoughts on Joaquin Phoenix as a Joker, at least I think I said this in the episode. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I've definitely said this to people. 
when they announced that, I'm like, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's going to be better than Heath Ledger. Like, that was my going theory. And after seeing it, I, I just, I think I realized you can't compare the two because they are really, besides the name, the Joker and the general look, like the costuming, they're very, very different. You've got the Joker in The Dark Knight, uh, who's pretty much, you know, you don't have any information on his backstory. That's kind of the whole idea of the Joker, which, you know, plays, this, this movie was unique in that regard of let's explain the Joker, or at least this iteration of the Joker. Um, but Heath Ledger's Joker was, like, very much just manifested chaos. Like, this man was just setting up these ridiculous experiments, uh, creating these crazy scenarios where he knew he would just be the master because he understood the chaos that was going on that was being thrown in people like Batman and uh, Commissioner Gordon and all the people in the Dark Knight. It was being thrown in their faces. So the whole idea of that Joker is just him being in control and sitting back and watching crazy stuff happen. And honestly, like he said, he would have these certain goals of, you know, his idea of what society was and anarchy and all that. Um, but he kind of would always backtrack or explain something different. And there was just truly no consensus on what his motivation was, what his origin was, or even sometimes like, like what he would, like his goal in general. Uh, whereas this Joker, it, it's laid out a lot more clearly of how this man kind of spirals to become the Joker and what he's doing in becoming the Joker. And it, so they're just so different. And obviously Joaquin Phoenix and uh, Heath Ledger are going to naturally take it in a different direction. I mean, honestly, when you compare Heath Ledger and say like, oh, Heath Ledger's better than Jack Nicholson, Again, that's another really like hard comparison to make because the characters, besides the name and title uh, and like idea of what they are, are very, very different. If you look at Jack Nicholson versus Heath Ledger versus, you know, you want to throw Cesar Romero and Jared Leto in that conversation, you can do that too. So it's just hard to I, – I, I've started to realize after watching this movie that the Joker comparison game is kind of fruitless. Like it's, it's not really the best idea because they are really different at the end of the day. I think people just like to take the idea of the Joker and just like say, okay, somebody's got to have objectively the best performance, right? But I, I really don't think you can do that. I think each person who's played the Joker has done a unique spin on it in some way, and I, I like certain things about all of them, although to be fair, I have not seen Suicide Squad. But it, I liked the – you know like. I liked what I saw of Joker in the trailers for Suicide Squad, but obviously he doesn't have the best consensus behind him. So, you know, with that out of the question, like, I enjoy a lot of aspects of Cesar Romero's Joker. I enjoy what I've seen of Jack Nicholson's Joker, although I've seen his performance in, like, bits and pieces. I need to kind of sit back and sit down and watch that at some point. And I don't think anybody really dislikes Heath Ledger as the Joker. And this one, again, like, I love it. It's just you can't – I don't think you can really rank them. If I tried to, I could, and honestly, maybe like Joaquin Phoenix, if I really had to decide, he might take the cake, but it's part of the reason to see – like he's fresh in my mind. He's one of my favorite actors anyway, and honestly, for the most part, he's not even playing the Joker. He's just developing his own character that happens to be the Joker by the end of this movie. So again, it's just kind of like a it's, – it's kind of like a fun game to try and rank the Jokers and stuff like that, but it's not really something that's worthwhile in my opinion because I just don't think you can do it. They're just way too different at the end of the day. But like, that leads me to at least uh, center back on Joaquin Phoenix and just say this man was awesome in this movie. Like physically, like the performance, he lost a lot of weight, obviously, and it just made him look really wild in some of these movies, in some of these scenes where he's dancing or he's not wearing a shirt, just any scene where he's not wearing a shirt. The man looks very, very skeletal and it's kind of creepy. Um, to obviously, Joaquin Phoenix has always shined in the realm of facial expressions, whether it be like the scrunch thing he had going in The Master, to just in this where he's always got like he's got his his laugh, which I don't want to talk about too much, but it, like there's a lot that goes into his laugh. It's not just let me do a Joker laugh. Uh, I think that's I'll talk about that in the spoiler full section, but his laugh was awesome. And there's a really really nice evolution from how like 
nervous and frenetic this man kind of is at the beginning of the movie to the confidence he kind of gains as certain things happen. There's very specific scenes I want to mention that regard, and they might not even be the scenes that you think if you've seen this movie. Uh, but that's another thing, again, I will come back to. I, I really, this is one of those things where I could fall into the trap that I did when I did episode three, Bronson, where I just kept saying over and over again, Tom Hardy is awesome, Tom Hardy is awesome. And it's, I, I, I can't, it's one of those performances I can't really measure. Uh, like, it's hard for me to put the words how much I enjoyed it. Just know that I really, really did enjoy Joaquin Phoenix in this role. It fulfilled my expectations, probably surpassed my expectations for what he could do with the Joker because of just, there was a lot of great decisions he made that, like, when they were first shown on the screen, I was like, eh, that's interesting. And then they really just continued to grow on me. Uh, as the movie went on. And it was also, at the same time I said, you know, he's great in The Master, put some makeup on this man, he's already the Joker. It didn't really have that many similarities to The ma to the Master. In The Master, he's much more impulsive. In this, like, he's sort of impulsive, but it's always, like, in a context that makes perfect sense for what he's doing. Uh, and I don't want to say that I, this is going to fuel the fire of this whole controversy around this movie, which I will talk about later. It doesn't make sense in the fact that I have compassion for the Joker or anything like that. It makes sense as in, like, you see how what this man's going through, and you're like, yeah, why wouldn't he go and do this really crazy thing when he's already really messed up? Like, you, you, it's a progression that makes a lot of sense because it's laid out with, like, so many, like, there's so many moments of this man to put it, bluntly just getting the shaft in every sense of the word like he's really getting wrecked all the time there's not good moments for this man to be found in 99 percent of this movie so like some of the like quick actions also usually have repercussions in this movie and that's why one action will make sense it leads to an outcome where you're like well i don't really like that at all but his original decision made sense that's just not the way you go with it again i have very specific examples for this for full section so if you're a little confused about what i'm trying to say i'll explain it more uh in a little bit uh and you know, hopefully justify myself uh, without sounding like the whole, you know, controversy of, of all of this movie, which I'll, again, I'll address a little bit. I don't want to talk about it too much because I think the whole thing is just like, there's nothing to be had with this conversation. Uh, but again, it's hard for me to kind of quantify how much I liked Joaquin Phoenix's performance without just ranting and raving to you guys all day. Like I kind of look back on the Bronson episode and think like, well, that wasn't really the best for the listeners at all. But He's awesome in this movie. Walking Phoenix just continuing to prove why he's one of my favorite actors. Just really sinks into these roles. And, uh, and I mean, he just picks good scripts. That's also part of the reason I was so excited for this movie. Like, he hasn't had a lot of movies that I haven't looked forward to or seen him been like, oh, that wasn't that great. Like, it's usually, there's something unique about every movie that he's in. So I was definitely excited to see it, and Joaquin Phoenix came through. So let's move on to some of the other performances. This mini-review is going to be very long if I'm not careful. Again, going on and on about Joaquin Phoenix or anything like that. Uh, other performances, let's talk about De Niro. I don't want to talk about De Niro too much because of spoilers and all that, and I won't talk about Zazie Beats too much for that same reason. Zazie Beats I might talk about entirely in the spoilerful section because it's going to be hard to avoid things about her, but... Um, De Niro was great. I mean, he just pulled off the talk show host pretty well. As you know from the trailers, he's a talk show host. And uh, he just has that vibe. I like it. And, you know, he pokes fun at people on his show. And, you know, he's having a grand time. And out there dancing the music as he gets introduced. He, you know, he fulfills the stereotypical talk show host role and uh, does a good job. I'm surprised that he chose to be in this role, to be in this movie. Uh, it's, it's not a ton of screen time, but it's not... Uh, it's not bad in any sense either. It's a pretty like adequate amount of screen time. And, you know, when I talk about his character, I'll talk about that more in the sport full section. I'm a little surprised De Niro signed on to this one. But De Niro, you know, he does, he does what De Niro does. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not complaining. I like to see uh, De Niro come in. I, I like to see an appearance like this in this movie. It's great. 
but it, yeah, I, no, I'm happy with Daniel's performance. He, he did pretty well. Uh, and again, yeah, I think I'm going to talk about Zazzy Beats at the very end. Francis Conroy as uh, Arthur Fleck, a.k.a. Joker, uh, as his mom. She was good. Uh, again, it's like Joaquin Phoenix is on screen for so much time, and you're so focused on how good or like all the choices he makes and stuff that all the other performances, to me, all they had to do was be passable, and all of them are far past passable. Like They just don't have a lot of screen time or even dialogue or action or sometimes even significance to work with for it to be like a big deal. But they all come through with what they have, and either way, you're so you know focused on uh, Joaquin Phoenix that it, it's not even a big deal. So performance is strong suit of this movie. Let's just leave it at that. Okay, I want to talk about the directing. Um, I the, the most skeptical I was going in was Todd Phillips' behind this. So I was like thinking, how can a man who did old school and the Hangover movies come in here and do this Taxi Driver-esque Joker? I'll talk about Taxi Driver later, too. I think this is kind of a common thread you hear in a lot of reviews that I tend to agree with, even though my experience with it is not as great. But I'll get to that. Uh, yeah, so I was like, I don't know if Todd Phillips can helm this, but man, did he. The one thing I noticed while I was watching this is it felt like so much care was put into how every shot was laid out. Not necessarily like all the production design, stuff like that. That stuff, it's like, it's all baked into the cake at this point of this movie had a great color palette and a great mood and it's just dingy and gross and like all the sets are, you know, battered old apartments and stuff like that. That's all great. But it felt like so much care was put into each shot. That's what I really liked. And there's a lot of directors that I feel this way when I watch it. Usually the people that are best at this, I don't think about it while I'm watching it. People like Paul Thomas Anderson and Stanley Kubrick. Those are the guys where every shot has a lot of detail put into it, but you just don't think about it because it's done so well that it's seamless. This, I think about it and I notice it because every shot is very atypical and unique, but it still, I mean, it still lands. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, every shot is, like a, atypical was a good word personally that I just used there because I mean, like, for example, this is not a spoiler. You've seen this in the trailer. There's several moments of Joaquin Phoenix dancing. But we're never really, like, the the cinematography is always very interesting in those dancing scenes. We're not getting these wide lenses usually of, like, oh, let's see what his dance moves are or, like, what he's doing. We're getting, like, these follow, like, tracking shots where we, like, watch his arm as he, like, reaches an arm up towards the ceiling. And then we, like, come back down his arm and, like, go across his back as he starts twisting around. Like, it's these, like, weird flowing takes that are not your standard idea of, a, of like, a tracking shot of, like, left to right, up to down. Like, these strange pads, if you were to, lay, like, draw them out on, like, the track the camera follows. As, especially when Joaquin Phoenix is in, like, the dingy bathroom. We've seen that in the trailer also. I noticed it there the most. Like, how much care is put into a shot. Like, all right, well, we're going to get him dancing, but let's do a weird one where we, like, follow up his forearm, look at his hand, and then come out a little bit as his face enters the frame and, like, do these very interesting things. A lot of, like, handheld shots in this movie – didn't distract that much as opposed to like First Man. I, I really mentioned that with First Man. It was super distracting because it was kind of unnecessary. This just made it feel a little bit more candid as we're following this guy. It made it feel a little bit more personal, which is what I liked. But I, again, every shot was just, there was a ton of care placed into it. A shot of Joaquin Phoenix walking up the stairs. The camera's going to be in an interesting spot where something interesting is happening in that frame. It's not just him topping the stairs. It's like this perfect black line of like the sidewalk that he's going to approach that he just like emerges from. Everything has just this interesting look to it uh, that like for a movie that really takes its time, it makes every frame very interesting. I'm not going to compare it to 2001 A Space Odyssey, like objective level of skill, but that's what it kind of reminded me of where every like frame in 2001 is set up in a really unique way where there's it's like a, a – not a painting, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but it's a really unique thing to look at. You're not just like sitting there like, oh yeah, let me watch the action. You're also like, let me look at this strange setup we got going on here of how things are blocked and laid out in this shot. 
And I, again, that's just how I felt about this movie in, in a not distracting sense, but in a like appreciative sense of Todd Phillips really in his step from comedy to drama, put in a lot of time and effort with his DP to say like, you know, let's get every shot right. And let's, you know, and when Joaquin Phoenix is just chewing the scenery, they give him space to do that too. But again, with the occasional strange flourish, of, it was executed very well in this movie. I thought the score was good. It's not a score I remember. I couldn't even hum it to you right now after just seeing it last night. But it's like one of those ones that in the movie, in the context of the movie, it fits. It builds pretty nicely. There's one or two scenes where I'm like, I wish they wouldn't have used any mu music here. Like, I can feel the tension building as it is. I don't need the, the musical accompaniment. But some of it's really good. I think there's one or two hits and misses. Like, I like the kind of oldies and, you know, they play Send in the Clowns and stuff like that. I enjoyed that. If you've seen the movie and you know what they play on the stairs... Not a fan. I guess I'll mention it more in the sportful section, but it's just really kind of took me out of it. It didn't fit the mood at all. Like when they first started playing it, I was like, is this the right audio? This is strange. But we'll move on from that again. The score was just kind of standard. It was fine. I liked it. I would listen to it again because it's unique. It's fun. Um, just the new look of this Joker, I commented on, I'm sure, a lot. I don't remember perfectly well what I said in the theories and thoughts on Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. I don't remember perfectly what I said, but... I like it a lot. I think, it's, again, it's another unique choice that kind of combines the Heath Ledger look and the Cesar Romero look in, like, the Cesar Romero clothes with the Heath Ledger, like, hair and face. A little bit cleaner on the face, not as, like, scars and black around the eyes and stuff. Um, and I, I like the kind of explanation for it in the movie, um, but I won't talk about that too much. Um, but I, I, the look is just great. It's, it's unique again, but it's still being Joker. And I think it like, this is gonna sound weird, but it, like worked for Joaquin Phoenix's face really well. I guess I'm just saying Joaquin Phoenix has some very like trademark like parts to his face. That sounds weird again. Gosh, I'm not really putting this very well, but he's got like kind of his weird side like smirk thing with like kind of the scar he's got going under his nose and his nose is very pointy and that's like accentuated by like the red on his nose and the, it, it just works well for how Walking Phoenix acts like in terms of his facial expressions hopefully that made a little bit more sense than my originally poorly worded comments but the one mixed bag thing about this movie to me is the screenplay not in the sense of the action because I like the action like the plot development but occasionally some of the dialogue is a little bit on the nose you see the movie you there's like a pretty big example that I think people kind of reference and I kind of had this complaint watching some of the trailers I'm like that looked awesome and all but I don't really like the lines that they're using in this it, they seem to all stilted and once you watch the movie most of the lines in the trailer are read in a different way by Joaquin Phoenix in the context of the scene and mostly for the better but again there's just one or two lines a couple lines here and there that are either a little bit too like see audience see or uh they just they don't feel very natural um but that's not always the case that's just i have a few examples that nagged at me a little bit that's like eh, okay but usually one-upped by something you know in the scene so but like actually the plot developments were good um i feel like there was a lot of attention to put into like how many times can we mess with this man like in the in a matter of seconds like what are the little things we can do to just bother this man and there's a lot of them. There's a lot of little things that, like, I, I wish I could remember some more of the details, which is why I need to start keeping notes more, like, during movies. But I'm not about to do that in a dark theater. Um, but th there's just a lot of little things I remember happening where I'm like, well, that sucks. Like, that, that just ruined anybody's, like, hour. Like, that's just not a – that's a bummer thing to have happen. And it's But it's, like, compounded by the fact that this is, like, the fifth thing this hour for him to have happen on top of the fact that he lives a not great life. So uh, I, there was a lot of attention, like, in, I guess, the writing and part, partly the directing of, like, let's just mess with this man a lot besides the big things that happened to him, which I liked. And, and again, that's sometimes played for comedy. It's sometimes played as just a small detail you don't even think about or you might not even notice. 
Um, but it, it works out every time. Okay, so this movie has a lot of inspiration from Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. I think everybody acknowledges that. I can't speak to this too much because regrettably and somehow I have yet to see Taxi Driver. And I will see it at some point and hopefully be able to better compare it. And I know that sometimes that's been kind of dampering people's opinions of this movie. They're like, oh, it's too much Taxi Driver. I'm going to knock it down a half star. I think if you enjoy the movie, it doesn't matter how derivative it is because you enjoyed the movie. Now, if it's really, really blatant, which I have been told that it can be at parts in this movie, I have some, like, I'm willing to hear that argument, but personally, I think it's like, if you enjoyed the movie, I don't think you should just actively look and be like, yeah, but it was borrowing too much from this. Like, I enjoyed it, but it was borrowing too much from this, so I'm going to subtract a star. But I don't think that happens a lot. It's just in some of the reviews I watched on YouTube, I heard people kind of bringing that up on several occasions. But again, like, I think it's fine to have inspiration it's fine to even have nods of the head. I think this movie apparently had a lot of both. Um, but again, I'm okay with it. Maybe my opinion will change when I see Taxi Driver or when I see King of Comedy, and I'll be a little bit more like, okay, th- this movie was pretty much like taking copy and paste moments. But for now, it's kind of like a debate that I think is a little bit like, uh, oh, well, if you liked the movie, you liked the movie. I don't think you have to uh, lessen your opinion of the movie because of that. But that's just my read on it. And speaking of my read on things, there's obviously the whole controversy about this movie. Will it incite things? Is it already inciting things? Is it saying bad things about society? You know, I, I think I, I read a YouTube comment of somebody quoting something else, but I was like, wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. And I think it was, uh, I think it was a quote from Joaquin Phoenix um, that said, it, like, it is not the job of the filmmaker to determine the audience's morality. And I was like, see, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because, like, I mean, I, like, I think you, you get it. I don't have to, like, go into detail and explain what he meant by this quote or anything like that. Like, that just, that's a good argument to me. I can personally see arguments on either side of this, right? Because everybody's got a point here and everybody's going to stick with that point. And I'm not really even going to jump into this debate. All I know is that if you go to a movie and you enjoy it, that's great. You shouldn't have to like be like, oh, I don't know, though it's kind of scary in the context of society. I mean, take what you will from this movie. I'm just here to watch movies to have a good time. Occasionally messages will be imparted on me. If I'm going to see Joker, I knew that was supposed to kind of be the case with this movie that takes itself a little bit more seriously than comic book movies in general. But like for me, it's just like, oh, that was an enjoyable movie about a character that's an acknowledged mass murderer and psychopath. So I don't know. Like, it's just different for every case. You got plenty of movies that are way more violent or way more like character being driven insane out there than this. American Psycho comes to mind. Heck, Taxi Driver comes to mind, right? Like, there's plenty of examples of this. And I, I don't know. It's just, I, I understand this one's a little bit different with the whole idea of like starting this crazy movement and stuff like that in the movie itself. Again, it's just, it's kind of, a, it's a debate that, like I said, I said about a couple things regarding this movie. It's just a fruitless endeavor to try and debate this personally. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm really just going to leave it at that. Um, it's in that I understand the controversy. I don't really have a stance on it. Um, and I'd rather just move on. Honestly, it's a movie. Let's, let's move on, please. All right. With all that being said, though, I think that's it for this spoilerful or spoiler-free section. Goodness, not spoilerful. Uh, but it is time to move on to the spoilerful section. Um, again, this movie was just great. I got to rate it for you, though, because this is a mini-review where I'm leaving you at the spoiler-free section. I rated it a 9 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. Um, again, when I see some other stuff, like if I see Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, my opinion might change. I'm willing to accept that it is the case. But for right now, I do just, I find it, I find myself thinking, like, I enjoyed the movie. Therefore, I will give it a score I liked, right? So I liked this movie a lot. 
Does it have issues? Yes. Mainly in stuff that I can't discuss in the spoiler-free section. But this movie took a lot of risks in a lot of ways. Like, hey, let's make a serious comic book movie. Hey, let's make a movie where the comic book character is not necessarily the focus so much as the guy. Uh, hey, let's give it to a director who does comedy primarily. Uh, and th- this movie did really take a lot of chances. So uh, I'm happy about that. I'd like to see more of this kind of movie. Whether it is DC or Marvel, I don't really care. But And honestly... If this movie had no Joker affiliation and was just Joaquin Phoenix playing a guy, I'd love it too. So I think it, it, at the end of the day, it's just a well-made movie whether you like the whole idea of the Joker or not. Uh, it, it's, it's, again, a lot, of, you know, a lot of detail put in every shot, um, a lot of thought behind every shot. Um, screenplay is pretty good in the progression of the character, how it adds up. It's like a very natural progression where you get to the end and you look back and you're like, well, dang, this is a really radical contrast and things that happen, but I understand all the steps that led to it. Again, the dialogue... A little bit of a mixed bag, but at the end of the day, performances are great in this movie. Todd Phillips impressed me. That was the thing. I, I honestly like. As I expected, I was expecting such greatness from Joaquin Phoenix, and he over delivered in that regard. But I'm honestly more impressed that Todd Phillips pulled this off as well as he did because he doesn't necessarily have the career that would make make you think he was going to make this movie. But I think that's it. I think that's the spoiler free section of Joker. So I thank you for listening. I will save you the plugs again. I I, I will probably start doing that for you spoiler free listeners, but. I think we're going to move on to the spoiler full section. So, I thank you for listening to the spoiler free section of Cine Study. We're about to move in to the spoiler full section. And if you're still listening, welcome to the spoiler full section. The following audio will contain countless spoilers and discussions of significant character arcs and plot points. You've been warned. Don't ruin the movie for yourself. Unless, of course, do you want to? Cine Study is not liable. All right, welcome to the spoiler full section of Joker. Here's where we can sink our teeth into this. Again, Joaquin Phoenix was awesome. I think that goes without saying. I don't really need to talk about a lot of specific moments of how awesome he was, but I could, all right? When he practices coming out for Murray, love it. All the dancing scenes, for the most part, loved them. Opening scene, great. Hospital scene, fantastic, all right? Like, I can go through all of these, right? But I will spare you. And again, the scenes are always good in, like, the overall context of the directing and stuff, but Joaquin Phoenix is just awesome. All right, let's acknowledge it. He's awesome. Quick insert, and I say that because I have no idea where I'm going to put this in the episode. I am retroactively recording this as I edited the first 10 minutes of the episode. I realized I said I was going to talk about scenes that really showcase the natural development of Joaquin Phoenix from Arthur Fleck to the Joker, and then completely ignored acknowledging those scenes in the spoilerful section. So the main scene I was thinking of is when he's sitting outside the hospital after his mom first goes to the hospital and the detectives come up and they're trying to ask him questions and he's just not having it. Whereas in the, like in the past when he's talking to people, he's a little bit to himself. Like he, he's not really sharing much. He's not saying much. Um, he just seems a little off kilter. Now he's like full on standing up in the face of these guys. Like, you know, like who cares? Like, yeah, I know about the, the subway train stuff. That's horrible. Like, sorry guys, but I'm not going to answer these questions right now. Tell me why my mom had a stroke when you guys went and kept and, and, uh, talked to her. Uh, so, and then he has, like, just kind of the comments behind that, flicks the cigarette, uh, and then, of course, walks into a glass, uh, sliding door that's exit only, uh, which is, again, like, one of those things of Todd Phillips, like, you know, let's just mess with this man in infinitely many ways, um, but at the same time, it was just a great scene that was, like, riding that line of, he's starting to become the confident, you know, like, crazy, kind of, like, you know, a little bit more powerful Joker, but there's still, like, he's still getting the short end of the stick when he runs into a glass door or the fact that he just had to go to the hospital for his mom and stuff like that. So uh, I thought that was a good, like, mid-middle-of-the-movie kind of, like, 
like checkpoint of like, all right, this is where we're at with him right now. And there's several others, obviously, like I think when he goes to uh, Zazie Beat's apartment, that's kind of like a big moment of he's really starting to lose it at that point. Um, same when the uh, the co-workers come to the apartment, that kind of goes without saying that that's his first big kind of lash out. Um, actually, no, it's not. That comes after he uh, kills his mom, of course. Um, which I think at the, this point in the episode, I'm inserting this clip probably before I talk about that, so I won't even talk about that yet. But this is the problem, dude. I, th- this is really the problem. I recorded this episode very poorly. I would do much better on the next episode. It's just I'm a, a little bit out of practice here. But uh, anyway, yeah, so I like that, that scene outside the hospital, and there's a couple other moments like that. But that one really stood out to me. I like that scene. Okay, back to wherever you were in the episode. Thanks. Let's talk about the violence in this movie. Now, I don't mean this in the sense of the debate about it, okay? I mean, I mean just, like, in the, the pure sense of, like, let's talk about the big plot twist violent mo- moments in this movie. I was kind of expecting it to happen where it, the violence did not shock me as much. It did not phase me as much. I went with some people where when the scissor stuff happens, they were like, oh, God, oh, what the... Like, I can understand I got some people off guard. For me, I was much more put off guard by stuff that happens in, like, Drive. That's along the same lines, but... Because uh, for me, I saw this coming, especially because like it, with all the controversy, I was thinking, dude, there must be some bad stuff in this movie. And overall, it, it was like kind of what I expected. I'm like, no, it's just the Joker being a violent dude, and it's a little bit hyper violent. But I mean, I didn't think it was really that ridiculous. Um, and I, but I, I do think when it comes to the actual violent moments, that they're like done very well in terms of what led up to them, how they're shot, the performances. That kind of goes. All without saying. So I know this is going to sound weird, but they are the big plot twist moments, all of them. There's not really a lot of just throwaway death in this movie. There's big, big plot twist kind of moments. So I want to kind of go through them all. There's kind of three, or sorry, four main ones. First one is, of course, the subway train. Some dudes mess with my man, Joaquin. Oh, he's awesome in that scene, by the way, where it's kind of like, that's why I was talking about the facial stuff, where his lips are kind of quivering. He's trying not to laugh, but he's still laughing. I love that idea of the laugh, the kind of condition and stuff. I, I, I didn't think about it too much in all the, like, just context of all that, so much as I, I was, like, enjoying how Joaquin Phoenix was laughing. Like, it was a great laugh. It was a very Joker laugh that occasionally would detour him to be like, oh, he's in pain. But I was like, no, I just love the high-pitched stuff. Like, when he walks out of his job, um, that you know, the, the, one of the moments where he's going to see his boss, and he, like, laughs and then snaps back to straight face. It was in the trailer. Epic moment. Loved it. And, of course, when he's on stage laughing hysterically, that's hard to watch. When he's taking notes and he's laughing very offbeat compared to everybody else, that was one of those great, like, attention to detail kind of things or, like, things that – it's just one of those little things that's, like, let's continue to build his character even in filler kind of moments. Loved it. All right, but, yeah, so what I, what I was trying to say is let's go through these moments. We got the subway train. Again, all that's done pretty well. I love, like, the flickering lights. It's just the, the suspense is really building. That's the moment where I thought they didn't really need the music. If I remember right, there's some music introduced at the end of that scene. I think I, with just the sound of the subway train going and the flickering lights and this guy slowly approaching, singing Send in the Clowns, you're like, you know something bad's going to happen. I don't need the music. But when Joaquin Phoenix finally physically and metaphorically pulls the trigger on these guys, it's crazy. Because, again, I like the flashing lights where we don't see – this is actually like the most obscured death in this – well, with one exception. This is one of the most obscured deaths in this movie is when he – takes it out on these three Wall Street guys. When the first one goes down, it is crazy because you get the sound effect, but it's still, like, black because we just keep getting these flickering lights, and you only see quick glimpses of this man, like, flying back all bloody and stuff. I, that was an awesome way to do that scene. It could have been a very glorified moment of, like, 
shooting people up for the Joker. And you can tell he's still enjoying it during that. I mean, that's the idea of the Joker. I think we don't have to talk about that too much. But I just thought that, I like, the principle behind that of the flickering lights and only seeing little glimpses of this was done really well with the first two guys. And then, of course, they do the little face-off when the guy's trying to leave the subway train, Joker's going to follow him, and then he takes it out on that guy, too. So that was a great scene. And obviously, like, a big instigating scene for the rest of the movie. Um, but now we move on to the big ones, right? His mom. Uh, let's talk about his mom plot line first. Um, if he was half brothers with Bruce Wayne, I would have been like, okay, not a big fan, but not a, not like a, I'm not really, you know, adamantly against it either. But I like that it was kind of like just a lot of questions that, again, all the answers are there, but honestly, you come out of that movie still kind of confused because so many scenarios were thrown around and little details regarding that letters and pictures and actually, you know, confronting all these people and asking them and getting a lot of different stories. My consensus is he's adopted and she did work for the Waynes, but he was just abused by other people. Like, well, obviously his mom, but then another boyfriend or whatever. That's kind of my read on it, but um, I like that, you know, you can kind of take that just different ways, even though I think that's where it ended on, just because there's so many details about it. You can take it in other ways. I I do like that, Uh, especially because there's, like, so many things that could theoretically be in Joaquin Phoenix's mind. I'm going to veer off talking about all the big plot twist kills for a moment and talk about this, because uh, now that I thought about this, this should be the focus of my spore full discussion, duh. Um... I think there's some things that are pretty cut and dry in his mind. Zazzy beat stuff. Performance, by the way, I was going to mention this here. It's fine. It's. I was just going to say it's fine because, like, she just kind of shows up and is, like, supposed to be this kind of just, like, side character because he's just envisioning her as being the constant there. Um, but that was a pretty cut and dry that she, you know, none of that actually happened once you get the apartment scene where she's like, oh, who are you? You're Arthur, right? You're like, get out of here. Um, how does her storyline end? Because he does the like fingers to the to the head and then like is gonna shoot himself and then she's like oh god like oh no so like was he actually holding a gun in that moment I don't know apparently there's sirens when he walks out of the apartment after that I have no idea that's one of those ones that I just haven't I, like I could that's one of the ones that I feel like there's not an answer to it's just like a random moment where there's you can't pick up a lot of hints from the rest of the movie as to how that goes which is good and bad it means you know great everybody gets different interpretations but you should at least be able to like verify some of them. Like, have some support. For this one, it's just like, yes or no, did he kill her? Who knows? Nobody knows. I don't know. Todd Phillips might not even know. Um, Whereas the other ones, I think you can make a lot of justifying cases for, like, everything. The whole thing being in his head. The whole thing being in his head after he gets in the fridge. The whole thing being in his head where he goes and sees uh, Thomas Wayne in the bathroom because you get cut to the next shot and he's, like, in the same position that he was over the kitchen counter um, after he had been nose-bleeding in the bathroom. And so maybe that was all in his head. Um, Maybe... Like, the stuff where he's saying at the end, like, I thought of a joke, is stuff he's going to do in the future. I don't know. You don't know. I mean, there's just, there's really, again, this movie has a lot of questions, and, you know, most of them have, like, some stretchable line of reasoning, but not all of them, which is good and bad, again. Like, I think it's a little bit bad in the sense that if you're going to have a movie with many interpretations, you need to be able to backtrack to support any of those interpretations, well, not any of those interpretations, but kind of the big ones, um... And I'm not sure you can with some of them here. Like, there's questions posed by Todd Phillips at the end, like, oh, maybe most of this was in his mind. But there's nothing to, like, support that for most of the movie except for watching the movie and the whole time just thinking, yeah, this is probably all in his mind because it's crazy. Like, again, there's just, some of the questions are left unanswered and you, there's just no way to answer them. Good and bad. I mean, that's pretty simple to me. I like hearing some of them. Like, I know he got in the fridge, and it's like, there's no way to get out of that fridge, how those fridges are made. Like, I I just thought about that during the movie for some reason. And then, like, but then when he, the next scene is him doing something, I'm just like, oh, well, he just probably got out of the fridge. Like, I'm not going to think about it too much. But, like, why did he get in the fridge? Again, like, 
it's just a lot, a lot of questions. Honestly, this sport of full discussion is becoming a lot, a lot of questions. So let me kind of backtrack again. Uh, God, I feel like this episode is just me like spitting stuff out and then free associating to the next thing. Apologies, but we'll get back on the flow of the show at some point. Goodness. All right, but let's kind of like, again, all the stuff could be in his mind, might not. That's great and all. I don't find that to be a particularly interesting thing to research about this movie just because I just enjoyed the movie and I think that's it. I mean, I like theorizing about movies usually before they come out, not so much after unless it's like a really important thing to the theme. But I think no matter what story is correct about this movie, the theme is the same. Whereas if you look at a movie like, well, I don't want to give away movies with ambiguous endings. That was a really bad setup, but... There's plenty of movies with kind of ambiguous endings where how you read it changes the whole view of the movie. For this, it's like whether it was in his head or not, or some of it was, or he's related to the Waynes or not, at the end of the day, it's still a guy that just gets wrecked by society and takes it out on a lot of people. So, yeah, I mean, interpret what you want to. It pretty much leads to the same conclusion. So, All right, so let's go back to the kind of big plot twist. He kills his mom. This is the example I thought, like, the line in the trailer is very much improved upon, not only in the context of the scene, but in Joaquin Phoenix's delivery of the line with the, my life, I thought it was a tragedy, but it's a comedy, etc. Um, and that happened a couple other times, like the all I have are negative thoughts, which seemed better in the movie than in the trailer, where I thought it sounded a little bit cliched. Again, that's where some of the dialogue in general sounds a little bit like, eh. And I guess cliched was not the word back five seconds ago, but you know what I meant. Um, but like that, and like when, when right, right when he's about to kill Murray Franklin, he's like, what do you get when you cross a loser and a uh, society that doesn't want him and treats him like trash? I'm like, it's eh, not a great line. I like the uh, like whole you get what you deserve bit, and then he pulls that trigger. But before that, I was like, eh, I don't know about that. Some of the stuff on the talk show is awesome. Some of it's a little bit like, what's going on? Like the whole talk show is just kind of a whirlwind of stuff going on. So that was interesting. But we jumped to that Murray Franklin stuff, but back to the mom stuff. Intense. You know, I like that we're just watching this man's face the whole time. I think that's the best they could have done with that scene. If we had just shown her suffering, that would have been way too much. And honestly, it kind of gives credence to the idea that this decision is about him and like how he's trying to navigate life. And you, you want to watch him in this moment. What is going through this man's mind in this moment? And for him, it's just like unchecked rage, essentially, in that moment. So I like that we stay on him. Uh, and then, of course, he kills his fellow clown worker and lets the other worker go uh, because he was always the nice one to him. And that, like, I think people have said this. I've heard people say this, but it's a very perfectly Joker moment of, like, this crazy taking out this massive act of violence on this one dude with scissors. And, like, we get it, it reminded me of the elevator scene in Drive where it's just, like, repetitive violence. And I'm like, Jesus. But uh, and then he just, like, lets the other guy go. He, like, scares him really quickly. But and. Uh, and then he's going to let him go. And then the door is locked. And he can't unlock the door. And you're like, oh, God, he is going to kill this guy. But then he just lets him go again. Like, it, it was a very, like, perfect. It was back to the main idea of Joker of, like, this man is just super unpredictable. And you don't know what's going through his mind. Like, he might have legitimately, like, okay intentions in some moment of, like, oh, no, you're a nice guy, dude. You can go. Uh, but, like, everybody else, like, all the other stuff is that like, you just don't know how this man is going to behave at all. Oh, speaking of what I was saying with, like, you understand what he's doing at certain moments – I mainly meant in moments that aren't what you think, like when he steals the medical papers, it's like, yeah, this man is like clearly has no idea what his past is at this point. He's been confused by like eight different people about what his past is. His mom, Thomas Wayne, I think at, at this point he's gone and like met Bruce Wayne and Alfred. He's just confused. So it's like, I understand this man. He's like, he sees the doubt in the worker's eyes when he's saying, uh, yeah, you are, you are the son of Penny Fleck. And he's like, that, this, man's, this man's hiding something. So, like, those are the decisions you understand where he, like, steals the papers and is, like, trying to freak out, trying to read them. And he's great in that scene, by the way, uh, except for the giant 
glob of snot that comes out over the medical papers in the stairwell, not since the end of There Will Be Blood, when Daniel Day-Lewis drools all over Paul Dano, have I seen that much gross bodily fluid. And it's not that bad, and There Will Be Blood is just a fun comparison to make. But anyway, yeah, like, those are the decisions you understand, right? Like, those are the ones where you're like, wow, this man... Like, sometimes he's just, he's like, I just need answers. Nobody's giving me a straight answer. When he goes to Thomas Wayne, he's kind of ranting at him. Like, you're like, I feel for this guy in this moment, too. He's like, I just want to know what's going on and why this man who was apparently my father does not think so or is kind of mad at me right now. Stuff like that. So, I like it. All right. But again, I'm kind of all over the place in this spoilerful discussion. I'm very sorry. So, let's veer back to the final kind of main plot point of this movie, which is him killing Murray Franklin, which I called from a mile away when I saw, like, the idea of this movie. It's like, oh, look, it's Joker, and he's going to get on this talk show where the guy made fun of him. Uh, yeah, he'll probably kill this talk show host, and sure enough, that's what he does. Uh, it was still kind of a surprise because they kind of misdirect you in the in the middle of this movie where, like, oh, he's going to kill himself on the Murray Franklin show. And so when that moment comes and he says, knock, knock, you're like, oh, shoot, what is going to happen? And then he tells an actual joke, and then when he's going to tell another joke, he says... Uh, then I was like, oh, now he's going to just kill Murray Franklin because he clearly did not want to kill himself in that moment. So, again, I like the uh, kind of misdirect there. Um, but at the end of the day, when he kills Robert De Niro, I was like, well, I figured that was going to happen. I still loved it, and I think it's still done well. Like, the shots in that moment are awesome. We get, like, this just stand-back shot. We don't see any of the audience panicking. We just see Joker sitting there, like, smiling at what he's done, essentially, and then even laughing about it. And he comes over to the camera and says something that gets cut off. I think he says that's the joke and starts laughing based on the shot we get that's like kind of like the network shot where you see all of the TV monitors and one of them doesn't get cut off. You get to see him finish his sentence and then get tackled by police. I tried to read his lips in that moment. I think he says, remember, that's the joke or something like that and then he gets tackled. I might be really wrong, but that's kind of what it seemed and makes sort of some semblance of sense. But again, yeah, so that was kind of a predictable moment, but I still enjoyed it because it was like a very, like in being predictable, it was at the same time a very natural culmination of his character and his transformation into the Joker was like realizing the one person he like looked up to was just kind of as bad as the rest, even though honestly De Niro's character is not bad. He's just, he just like, he he has a very unfortunate scenario in inviting uh, Arthur on the show. Uh, when really he's just kind of poking fun of him in no different of a way than, like, a normal talk show host would. So, sorry about that, Murray Franklin, but it made sense for the Joker, and I, I, I figured that moment was going to come. Speaking of moments, I figured were going to come. As soon as Thomas Wayne and uh, um, uh, Bruce Wayne and... What's the mom's name? Is it Martha? God, my Batman knowledge is not looking too hot right now. When they exit the theater at the end, when... Joaquin Phoenix is in the like uh, the police car. I'm like, yeah, big old <laughs> rest in peace coming up here when they are, are running away and then they veer into the alley. I'm like, well, figured this might happen. I was thinking they weren't going to tie in stuff beyond the one appearance of Bruce Wayne behind the gates at the the like the Wayne Manor. Um, so, am I glad that they did this? It's fine. Like, they're not planning on making a sequel, and I think they should just leave this alone. So, was it really a necessary moment? No, it was kind of just fan service. But again, I'm still okay with it. And I like the idea that it wasn't Joaquin Phoenix that did it. Like, that Joaquin Phoenix is inspiring a Joker. And you could take that a lot of different ways, where maybe Batman grows up and there's just, in this riot of Jokers, there's, like, more Jokers. So the Jokers we see in other movies, or just the the concept of the Joker himself, is actually just people living on the legacy of the original Joaquin Phoenix Joker. That's a way you could read it. I kind of like that. Joaquin Phoenix's makeup takes a great... Uh, plot line throughout this movie of being clean in the beginning, although he cries on it, to being like very dirty and gross when he's on the subway train and after all that happens. Uh, the part where it's just his white face when he kills the guy with the scissors is super creepy. 
Uh, and then he's like polished for the show. And then he has, of course, the bloody smile at the end. So that's just one of those weird things that I liked every time his makeup was like altered in some way. All right, but I think that's that's kind of it. I think I'm missing something. Let me let me look. I wrote down stuff I want to talk about in the sport full section. Nope, I talked about everything. Sorry to uh, disappoint in saying I had more to talk about, but maybe that's for the better because this mini review is going far past mini. Uh, but that kind of gives credence the idea that, yeah, I really did enjoy this movie and I was really looking forward to this movie. I think there's a lot of discussions coming out of this movie where it's like, I'd rather discuss something else, please. Like, I don't need these crazy interpretations of what was in his head or what it wasn't or all these things about violence. I'm like, I'd rather just talk about, like, this is a really well-made movie and I really enjoyed what they did with it. Like, I, I'm, I hope it just ends as a standalone Joker movie, and I was really happy with Joaquin Phoenix. The man did not let me down in any way. Uh, and I've been hyping this movie up to a lot of people I know when they first announced it. I'm like, uh, you have not, I, like, I was talking to a lot of people. I'm like, I know you haven't seen Joaquin Phoenix in a lot of movies, or even any movies. This man is the great, the greatest choice they could have made for the Joker movie. Uh, and sure enough, again, I really liked it. So that's kind of my conclusion for Joker. Uh, thank you for listening to this mini-review. Uh, this episode, again, I feel like was all over the place. Winter mini-reviews not all over the place. I probably need to develop some sort of structure for mini-reviews, but now I'm just rambling again. What is new? So, plug time. Thank you for listening to Cine Study. If you liked what you heard in this episode or you like what you heard in some other episodes, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, any of that. Give us some reviews, some comments, uh, all of that. You know, word of mouth even helps, honestly, at this point. Uh, but we do thank you for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Cinestudy Podcast. I'm saying us, it's just me at this point. Follow me on Instagram at Cinestudy Podcast. Follow me on Letterboxd at Film Dylan for my ratings, quick little reviews, uh, and lists uh, about all the movies I've seen, not just the ones I do podcasts on. Uh, I should have another episode coming fairly quickly, uh, something I want to mini-review. Uh, but definitely check us out on there. You can email us at cinestudypodcast at gmail.com. Give me your reviews, your recommendations, your ideas anything i'm willing to talk and uh if it's something interesting i might read on the show uh and so that would be cool uh and then facebook not really active on there but cinestudy podcast as well so thank you for listening to cinestudy podcast this was episode 32 uh sorry for not doing an episode in a while again but this was episode 32 joker mini review so i thank you all for listening and i'll catch you next time thank you for listening to cinestudy 